Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. So I thought it'd be fun if we all went around and said our name and a little something about ourselves. I'll start. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. Will you stop your damn sniveling, son? Buck up, Bart. Buck up! On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Well, the whole gang is back together today here on Sports Sunday. Rashad. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. Rashad is not sick. No. Dying. I Jesse thought I is was, here though. like always. I I'm, thought I, I low-key thought I was, though. I'm I'll here. be real. Well, you had to go to the doctor or urgent care. Yeah, which is worse than the doctor because, I mean, it's kind of like the doctor, but kind of like not. Number one. I like how simple it is because the doctor, it's like you got to make an appointment. You know, the there might be a wait. Urgent care, you're just like, yeah, hi, but, I'm here. I feel bad. Okay, yeah, we'll see you. Yeah, but it's not that urgent, though. Like, they told me I was going to have to wait for, like, two hours. I said, really? <laughs> I said, really? Like, I feel terrible. You're going to make me wait for two additional hours to, to tell me why I feel so terrible? So I thought I had strep throat. And I look at my throat. And I was gonna, It was hard to swallow a little bit on Saturday. So mm. I'm like, okay. Take a look back there. I see the little, you know, little white pockets that are that are on the little hangy ball thingy back there you know, really so. really medical terms here I'm, i love it yeah. yeah 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 you know i went to med school for you know a week did you actually no i didn't oh, okay. i watched doogie hauser though every <laughs> single day but i, I went used to watch house i i did watch it house was a house was a jerk though i mean i wasn't a, but it was a good show i wasn't a big fan of that or his cane it was just one of those things he was a jerk but he wasn't really he had a soft soul inside he was covering it up with painkillers and with anger yeah, that's never a good. <laughs> those two. I things, liked house anger and painkillers together. Never a good idea. Ask you know anybody that's ever had any type of addiction. House had a weird addiction. Anyway, so I go and I'm like, okay, well they swab your throat, which is weird because they stick this little mm-hmm. thing down your throat and you know almost kind of dry heaved on the, mm-hmm. the the lovely lady. Yeah, I've gotten tested for it before. And then they told me I didn't have strep, and I was like, no, I definitely have strep. It hurts. And they were like, well, no, they, they came back negative. And I was like, okay, so is there like a any medication I should get or no tea? Get some throat lozenges. So you had a sore throat. I, it was a, the worst sore throat so, ever. Like headaches. Like it was, it was. You can't eat because you can't swallow anything. So that was weird. I lost a pound or and a half or so, which is why I'm able to fit into this beautiful shirt today. So you went to the doctor to get the prescription yeah. of tea. Yeah. Well, sometimes well, see, this was, is what was, happens when you go. Pretty, to urgent care. This that's is what, like these are the guys that probably get like C did averages. Did he not get better? 
No, it took like three days. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it took like three days Every, to get better. This well, was supposed dude, to be... it's it's a sore throat, and you probably had yeah, allergies was, of some sort, and it, you got better in three days. I didn't like it. It was it was the worst, and so I get all the way there and had to. It's wait not like, like you're an still hour. sick. Not not today. Throat was hurting a little bit up until like Thursday, but for the most part, it it was it's better now. I yeah. just felt I just felt like I shouldn't come. And be on the show just dragging and not able to Well, you probably talk. couldn't talk. And if yeah. you were contagious, uh, I, all of us would have gotten sick. And then, you know, you can't have that in a radio station. And you're using that microphone, which three Cam, other shows use. Cam would have been so pissed. Oh, yeah. Well, that, but you could have gotten three people sick. You could have gotten Cam, Dirt, and Souk all sick. Yeah. And if it lasted, you would have gotten me sick on Wednesday. And I wouldn't have. Well, I would have already been sick. So I would have so been double sick. I did sick. everybody a favor. And was like, man, I'm just yeah, going yeah, yeah. to go ahead and stay home. That's the thing. And, and you know, sometimes... When you have to go to work and you're not feeling well, you, you want to, like, prove that you can push through and do your job. In radio, it's generally, like, if you feel sick, get out of here. Yeah. Because in these kind of environments, sickness spreads like a wildfire. Because we've got these little mic screens on the microphones that never get cleaned. Ever. And, like, literally. This one smells like ass. Never get cleaned. Being honest. And. <laughs> Just saying. You know, you this one's fairly new, so there's nothing disgusting on it yet. But after a while, you'll start seeing some weird things on these. Uh, and also, we all share keyboards and mice. And Rob like kisses his microphones. Mic. Oh yeah, he sticks yeah. his mouth on he, it. Like French kisses his mic. It, it's you, weird. Technically, you're supposed to have like about four inches between your your mouth and the microphone, and it it is disgusting. Watch Rob just kind of like inhale that thing. He generally the show. He, he generally touches it. He gets this. Close. Yes, it's so. And gross. I can't even talk my normal voice because I feel like I'm going to blow your ears out if you're listening on headphones. But I don't know. It's just. Yeah, teach their own. It's totally fine. It's so. But gross. he does have the immune system of a one-year-old baby, and touching the microphone probably does not help him very much. <laughs> so I decided to make sure my homeboys didn't get sick and took care of it. Well, that's good. And because I'm thinking about you, I don't think you really were. I was. I was thinking about you were thinking about how much you're. I was thinking hurt. about your wife, and I was thinking about your girlfriend, and and how you. Why? You know, huh? Why? To make sure that they didn't get sick. I like them. Probably more than I like you guys. Just being, no offense. Just saying. All right. That's probably that's yeah. That's fair. Kelsey's much nicer than I am. She's much. She's a much I wouldn't better. Wouldn't say person. nicer, but she's she's probably much cooler. Um. But yeah. So that's that's the thing in, in behind the scenes in radio. It's if anyone's a little bit sick, it's like you put your ex arms up and just be like, get out of here. You hiss at them, send them on their way because you don't want them to get sick. Um. But we are all back today, and because at least for now, there's no sports on. We are watching Sandlot. And we will be watching it for the next hour until the Yankees start. And this is one of my favorite sports movies of all time. It's probably mine as well. It's the best 4th of July scene ever. I listen to that version of uh, America the Beautiful every year. Just Oh, that one from the of, movie? Because of this movie. Really? Absolutely. Huh. Um, we're not going to be able to watch it with sound, which is a little bit sad. But I know the words. It's okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> no need. You can just recite it during the breaks. Absolutely. Just mouth it with, with the with the muted TV. Actually, we could probably turn it off mute as well. Um, but this is Sports Sunday. Welcome in. Text us on the Bridgeport Beers text line at 55305. You can also find us on Twitter at 1080thefan, at Mike Lynch 27 at TaylorMade503 is Rashad, and Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the Blazers in the Summer League. Um, we talked about Zach Collins' first, I think it was one or two games already at that point, poor performances. We talked about them on again. We're not going to spend really any time on that today because it's Summer League. And we had our opinions last week. Not much has changed. Swanigan's playing really well. 
Um, but again, it's summer league. It's really, really, really hard to take anything out of summer league. So the Blazers are playing in the semifinals of the tournament, and they were the 16 seed. So that's something cool, I guess, if you want to want to be excited about that. But um, what we will do today is we'll talk a little Blazers rumor because there was a pretty big Woj bomb from yesterday we got to discuss. But we're going to take our first dabble into Pac-12 football today. We're going to spend, I don't know, an hour maybe talking about the Ducks, the Beavs, the rest of the Pac-12, just kind of however it flows out. But this week was the first week in a very long time that it felt right to think about and talk about the Pac-12. It it was partially because there was no sports on for a couple of days. It was the all-star break in baseball. Uh, It was just the summer league going on. And you're going, you know, when's football coming? And then you start thinking about the Ducks and you start thinking about the Beavs and the Pac-12. And we'll just do that today. We'll have a lot of time talking about that. We'll also talk about Aaron Judge uh, on the home in the home run derby. We did talk about the derby a little bit last week when you were out, but uh, you, my fringe baseball f- uh, fan friend, may have a new baseball favorite baseball player. I might, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, you mentioned him in the same light as your excitement for Yasiel Puig, which was probably three or four years ago now. And that is Aaron Judge, and we'll talk about him plus some of the other future athletes that we'll uh, that we want to kind of watch who are young players, kind of bring sports forward in the next five to ten years. So we'll we'll talk about that. Plus, Hater Love is coming up at ten thirty, like always. But let's start with the Blazers, and let's start with the with the Woj bomb from yesterday. And Adrian Mozarowski reports, and you know he's he's right. You know he's got his information that the Blazers will only help facilitate a Carmelo Anthony trade. If they are the team getting Carmelo Anthony, which was mind-blowing to me when I saw that because, A, the Blazers don't leak anything, right? And, B, every report we've seen, every rumor we've heard has been they want to give up players and they would help facilitate the trade and they would take on Ryan Anderson or another player like Ryan Anderson uh, just to clear some bad salaries, although they'd be adding a bad salary in return with Ryan Anderson. I didn't fully get it. I think Blazer fans were excited because it was something because the Blazers have done literally nothing. But uh, now this thing, this little idea with Carmelo Anthony here, this is a little more interesting, isn't it? It gets you a little bit more excited, dare I say. Yeah, it's always interesting, especially because, you know, Carmelo Anthony is going to the Hall of Fame. Let's just, you know, be honest. You can People can feel the way, whatever way they want to feel about him and as, as a player, which is really unfortunate because he came out in the same draft as LeBron and D Wade so and Bosch so anything he does at this point is just kind of a a letdown if he doesn't win a championship just because his peers have been so successful with the exception of, of Chris Paul but I thought that I think the Blazers finally got smart and said hey man we're not about to make a team who was already good better we're gonna we're gonna help facilitate this trade so Houston can be even better than they are now now that they got Chris Paul oh, let's go ahead and give them Carmelo Anthony, too, while we lose. I, I th- I'm glad the Blazers decided, no, we're not. We're going to – if we're, anybody's going to get better in the West, it's going to be us right now because they're the one, we're the one team that hasn't made a big move or any move in free agency at this point. Now, you look at the draft, and we mentioned Zach Collins. I I think the, the Swanigan kid was the is the one that really um, is, is going to be – he's the diamond in the rough right now. And I think the, just judging from the way he moves – which everybody talked about his slow feet and everything, man. He looks pretty active around the boards and stuff. So he looks like some energy you might be able to bring. So that might be a, a bright spot for you moving forward. But I just don't know if Melo is 
the dude that the Blazers need. Like it's just not not that you need a wing player, not that type of wing player though. Well, I for one will remove my bias and tell you why I think it is a good move without my bias. Trust me, I am ignoring my fandom here. I think Carmelo Anthony would be awesome in a, in the red and black, and I think he would fit here in maybe not the best way, but he's gonna he would fit here if they actually were able to pull off a trade. I'll tell you why next, and we'll finish the discussion on it here on Sports Sunday on 1080 to the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 the Fan. Nine sixteen here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor, with you until eleven a.m. Jesse Osmond here as well, discussing the Adrian Rojarowski report. He of ESPN, he of the top reporting source in the NBA. Although I don't know if you've noticed, there's a guy who worked for the Vertical. His name is Shams something or other, and he's actually scooped Woj a couple of times since he left the Vertical. He's actually got the report first. So I wonder if. Woj is either letting him have some as like, uh, I'll keep the vertical going. I go to Chris Broussard for my information. Oh, do you actually? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not at all. If I want it to be wrong, then yes, I'll go to Broussard. Um, but Woj Narowski had this yesterday, and he says the Blazers will only help facilitate a Carmelo Anthony trade from the Knicks if they are the team getting Carmelo Anthony. So he'd have to waive his no trade clause to include not just the Cavs and the Rockets, but also Portland. Um, so in, in my mind, this means Neil O'Shea wants Carmelo Anthony, not Ryan Anderson, or he just is not going to help another team in the West get better by facilitating a trade that would get the Rockets Carmelo, right? He doesn't want to be the guy who helps another team land ahead of them in the Western Conference standings. Yeah, but in all fairness, like, who who would you want, Carmelo or Ryan Anderson? Carmelo. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy, you know, if, if, they, if those are my options – Give me mellow all day. So I am obviously a Syracuse grad. I am a big Syracuse fan, and I have been known to blindly support Carmelo Anthony in the past, partially for fun, but partially because I really like him a lot. Um, but I, I'm trying my best to strip away that bias for, for, the, for the sake of this conversation. But I really do think that Carmelo Anthony for the Blazers would be a good addition to the team. I understand that there's a lot of – nerves surrounding a Carmelo Anthony move because he's a proven to be a very selfish player in New York. He doesn't really try very hard all the time. He's a great shooter. He's a great isolation basketball player uh, and he can create his own shot very well, but you know, he's been a good defender. He just doesn't try on defense really. Um, but so I understand the nerves about him. I understand the negative aspect behind Carmelo Anthony. I get it. However, would Carmelo Anthony be a upgrade over Mo Harkless at the three or Evan Turner at the three? Yes, of course he would. He's still one of the better players in the NBA. Sure, he's older and sure, he's not top 10 anymore, probably. He's probably top 15 or something. But if you can get Carmelo Anthony and he could be your third guy that is either going to be open for shoot for, for three-point shots, and Melo's a great three-point shooter, mm -hmm. um, or just – Maybe he plays like it is Team USA, and he's finally on a team with a lot of talent, right? He really has never had that. No. Uh, he was on the Nuggets, and now he's on New York, and he's never really had a lot of talent around him. If he plays on a team with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic, as long as Nurkic plays as well as he did last year in the short stint of games, then 
Melo might actually fit like he did on Team USA and try and play more defense and be more of a team player. Maybe that's maybe that's wishful thinking, but I'm looking at it and going, this would be the best team he would play on, similar to if he went to the Rockets. It would be the best team he'd ever played on. And because of that, I'm willing to give it a go. Why not? Why not give it a shot? I mean, I just think he's I, better than any player that you have right now at that position. Absolutely. And I just I think when you look at the Blazers, one thing we know is that that, that salary cap is huge. Like the the for everybody that's getting paid from that Trailblazers team, then you'd add whatever Melo's contract is remaining. So I don't know, I think he's got like two years left on that deal that was worth 125 million. So I mean it's kind of hampers you to do anything else if you kind of wanted to, but I don't know. I just feel like the one thing the Blazers need yeah, is a 26 perim- and 27 though. Yeah. So uh, the Blazers need a perimeter defender. That's the one thing that they've uh, that they don't have. Like they've got scoring. They've got an abundance of scoring between what what Dame can give you, what CJ can give you, and now what Nurkic is going to get. Nurkic is going to give you 17 and 12 every night with the full season under him probably we right hope. around there. You know, you you hope. You know, he's going to give you right around there. The one thing the Blazers don't need is more scoring. They need somebody to stop the other team's no. best guy from scoring. Of course they need defense, but they do need more scoring. One of the biggest weaknesses last year that we discovered in the playoffs and late in the season was if Dame and CJ were getting covered well, nobody was going to score because you know Mo Harkless isn't hitting a three, and you know Al Farukamino is not hitting a three, no Evan Turner's not hitting a three, and you know Alan Crabb is going to hit it every three games and then go to sleep for two games. So you need somebody else who can score. It- you do. It's really funny that you're saying we we don't need offense. We need defense. We have a perimeter defensive player that can play at that position in Turner. But you all do. y'all want to send him out of uh, out of town. I'm and good and with the funny Evan thing Turner. is, that's because he can't shoot a three. And the and the thing is, is you know what? It's hard to find a guy that can shoot the three, who can play D and, and do it all on the um. If you could just get those guys everybody would be good they're they're not easy to find that's why every team typically has holes right now our biggest hole is the three and i'm whether you think his defense is great or not you're looking at a 10-time all-star a gold medal olympian you're looking at a guy who is eager to win and you think about when's the last time this team was in the western conference finals you went and you got yourself a 2000 right yeah and you went and you got yourself scotty pippen at the end of his career, and he helped get you to the Western Conference Finals. If you could say, "Hey, we're going to ship out, um, you know, a couple of these bad contracts, a future pick, or maybe even two, and maybe even throw in like a Zach Collins in there," I don't care. Um, <laughs> then, it, to get Melo and a chance to run at least at a Western Conference Finals, I would do that. I just think that, and we got this text here in the Bridgeport Bridge text line, and I couldn't agree with it more. Just like the Paul George trade. You make the mellow trade if you can. Either way, you'll have DMCJ in place, but instead of living in the 12 to 18 spot in the league, you're living in this or competing in the 6 to 11 range with mellow. Do it. I would change those ranges a little bit, but I agree. Um, I think you could very well be competing for the four if you have mellow on this team because I think you could argue that the Blazers would have a big four because they are, people already say that they have a, a possible big three. If Nurkic lives up to the hype from last year, then you do have a big three. And Melo would just add to that. It would be a big four. Now, obviously, there would be negatives to it. Not every player comes with a perfect track record, and it's not like this would be the best possible move, right? It, there would obviously be negatives to it, but you even mentioned it. If either A, if they don't care about the luxury tax, right, which we heard may be the case. We heard that Paul Allen was like, do it. I don't care. I'll pay the extra money. It's no big deal. 
Um, so if they don't care about the luxury tax, then they can do it, right? Um, or if, if they do and they trade a couple of players and maybe they give up somebody they were trying to hold on to, but I don't, I don't know who that would be, but they get rid of some players, then kind of sort of will even itself out a little bit. The mellow contract obviously is still bigger, but you get them for two years too. It's not like it's a Paul George rental thing because as much as I was uh, championing the Paul George attempt, right? I wanted them to go get Paul George. I also knew that there was a very slim chance he was going to stay in Portland. At least Carmelo would have two years left in his contract. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I, I know Melo is an amazing score. Melo is also like you talked about your love for Melo, man. When we were doing Hunt for the Host, that was one of my arguments about how, man, you should not be mad at Carmelo Anthony for the way his career has gone. It's just kind of he's been on bad teams, like you just kind of said. And this would be an opportunity for him to be on a great team. I'm just trying to figure out outside of his, outside of Melo's scoring, like why would what makes people think that he would be a great fit here? Everybody always talks so much about fit, fit, and and uh, culture and all this type of stuff. And then we would go out and get. Carmelo Anthony, somebody who doesn't fit the, the Blazer culture even even a even a little bit. I don't know. I like, think he I would mean, work with the It's just kind of one of those things. Like I mean, but I don't. We, but I think the problem is, is we don't know if he would fit with the Blazer. <laughs> no, culture. yeah, and mind you, I don't think Carmelo would be a. He's I not think like he'd a, be fine. Yeah. You know, you're not talking about a, a 24 year old kid at this point. Melo's 33. You know, at this point, so I think he would fit most anywhere. But would he be able to fit with two ball dominant? guards already let's be honest cj is a scorer he's not a facilitator or playmaker damian lillard is a scorer he's not a facilitator or playmaker he is he is a scorer that's what he does well, like and so now you could but if he wants to go to houston there. he's going to be playing with james harden and who's chris a, paul who's a facilitator and, playmaker. and they're both probably both more are, dominant than but than both CJ of them are Dame. playmakers and facilitators neither, neither dame well, and cj are neither one of those harden won't be once chris paul is there he'll harden. be he'll be the guy taking all the shots but, but i mean harden has averaged eight assists for the over eight assists for the past four seasons you know what i mean so he's somebody who's going to get his other his teammates involved as clint capella who doesn't score unless he gets him the ball so i'm i'm looking at that and like oh okay that could have worked year, so. i i think you're looking at one i think dame's a better passer than you're giving him credit for uh, he's a, a scorer because he passes. has to be a scorer like yeah. you're on a team where you have you've already stated this you only have one other scorer on your team like when when dame and cj are down there's nobody else to lead this team in scoring there's no third option you want to call nurkic the third option we're we're still not sure yet he's supposed to be that defensive presence and he is a good shooter but he's he's not that third option you want a guy who can literally rain threes from the outside that's who what can alan crab is supposed to be yeah, exactly not, and, not that. and this gives you that mellow's already like i don't know if you remember this but mellow already conceded last year that he would play less time to allow these younger guys to develop. He's already started that where I don't need to be the guy. And I think he wants to win more than anything at this point. Well, of course, he's, he's especially aging. after seeing his friends, most of them with the exception of Chris Paul, you know, win and have really a lot of great well, success. That's the thing is he's aging, right? Yeah. At some point in your career, as good as he may be at isolation basketball, you have to realize that if you get on a team with a lot of good players, you should probably not play that way. And... I'm sure they would build some of their offense around him. Obviously, they would kind of have to. He has a he has a unique style of play, kind of like what they did with Evan Turner when they would bring him in. The offense would change, but the way I look at it is, you got to go. You got to swing for the fences here, as long as you're not mortgaging your future, right? If you're not trading McCollum, if you're not trading Dame or Nurkic, and if you can somehow get Mello while not giving up those three guys, do it. Because we heard the report was that the offer for Paul George that they rejected was all three first-round picks and any player not named Dame, CJ, or Nurk. 
And and the rumor is that Kevin Pritchard said no because he hates Paul Allen and he hates the Blazers. So he he rejected it out of spite. Probably would have said no to though. I, I would say, hey, you know, I'm willing to go the next two first round picks to go get a guy no, like like Melo because that you, you know what we've talked about this before and we're talking about that career arc of where they are. Damon and CJ are entering that prime right now. That career arc of where they have that opportunity to make a realistic run at a championship, that starts right now where they are in aging. So you you add a guy on one of the youngest rosters in the NBA who adds a real good veteran experience, who is starting to realize what he really wants in the world of basketball, and that's to win over money because he's gotten paid time and time again. He's felt what it's like to win at a great level, and that's that gold medal that he won. He helped, you know, get America American basketball back to where it is. And that is the elite form of basketball in the world. And I think he kind of probably wants to feel the feeling of being a champion again. And so, you know, is Portland the best place to come? Maybe not, but you think about, we've had, I've had this discussion where Houston gave up a lot to get Chris Paul and, and Harden. And you look at the core that's around CJ Nurk and Dame right now. I like it better, and they're, they've at least played a couple of years together. Right, Houston traded like eight players for Chris Paul. but And, and somebody texted in and said he's, he's going to want to live in Portland after living in New York, and it's like, he's going to want to live in Houston? Yes, I mean, have it, you been to Houston? No, but yes. it's nowhere is like yes. New York, right? No, I mean, you know, but uh, um, there's there's no place like Texas, though, either, like at the, at the same time, with exception He will get the no-income tax. There are some pretty bad places in Texas. You know, not bad places, but like places you probably wouldn't want to Live, spend uh, a lot of your time. Houston's not one of those places. Houston's dope, but he would have no income tax in, in Texas as well. Not at all. So that would that would be beneficial to him. And I agree with you. Is it the best place for him? No, he should go to Cleveland or Houston. He really should. He'd have a better chance there. But if Houston the only doesn't have much to work with, but though, if the first trade assets, if the only option left is Portland, and he wants to get out of New York, do it. Why not? I, I could I can't see him rejecting that if they can't get anything else. I am a Carmelo Anthony fan, so again, I don't think he works for the team. But as also as a, as a fan of of that team, would I be mad about seeing Carmelo Anthony put on that jersey? Now, here's a question: Does he wear Brandon Roy's number seven? <laughs> would he have to call Brandon Roy first and be like, "Hey, I think he should. I think B. Roy's that? number seven is going to be retired someday." Yeah, probably. So, but then again, the Blazers have retired multiple numbers before, so. Or the so it's okay. Way too many numbers before yeah. actually. <laughs> they have a history of. Uh, sorry, I was watching Sandlot for a second. Um, they have a history of retiring way too many numbers. So I, that's taking away my bias. With my bias, of course, I want Carmelo Anthony here. I love Melo. I love what he did for Syracuse, and I would love to co- to to cover him as a Blazer. You know, it'd be awesome. But logically, anything to make you better right now in a West that got significantly tougher this NBA free agency period is the right move, right? I was really happy that Neil Olshay was aggressive in trying to get Paul George. Rental or not, he tried. Everybody's, right? everybody's competing for second place at he, this point. Well, of course, but you want to compete for second place, not eighth place. That's kind of that's kind of the way I'm looking for it, or looking at it. He, he made an effort to try to get Paul George, right? And whether or not it's true that Kevin Pritchard denied it out of, uh, out of just not liking the Blazers from some of the stuff that we've heard, or... He just didn't like the offer, or maybe the value changed after when he made the trade with the Thunder. Because getting Oladipo and Sabonis is not better than the Blazers' offer. I'm sorry, all three picks and any player they wanted outside of the big three. That's not better, or that is better than what the the Thunder gave for Paul George. Uh, and he's trying to get Carmelo Anthony. He's trying. Neil O'Shea, give him credit, is trying to make a big splash move to keep the Blazers 
in the top four-ish spot in the West. Because once you get to the playoffs, as long as you're not facing the Warriors, <laughs> anything can happen, right? Should be all good, right? So that, that's kind of the, the way you got to look at it, and, and that's kind of the way I'm viewing it. So cross your fingers. Chances of it happening are very slim. Don't get your hopes up too high, but you never know. If Woj is saying it, then there's some truth to it, right? And maybe something will happen. All right, coming up next, we'll switch gears and we'll talk football for the first time in three months. It's been a while. And we'll we'll start getting into the Ducks, the Beavs, and the rest of the Pac-12 for the rest of, or most of the rest of the show here on Sports Sunday. But first, Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.37 here on your Sunday morning. As Vic Orlando, the big voice guy, said, Mike and Rashad with you until 11 o'clock today. Talk some Blazers. Marlo Anthony. That would be an awesome voice to, like, like have on your voicemail. You've reached Mike Lynch. He's not here right now. It's like movie phone guy. That would be dope. You know, it's, it's kind of, if you think about it, it's a pretty sweet gig. Absolutely. Right? He has an awesome voice. And he uses his voice to voice, for lack of a better term, liners and opens and stuff on this station. Uh, he is also on some radio stations in Seattle, which I believe is where he's located. And he just gets paid to talk and record it and send it off. And he doesn't have to like edit. He just he that, has, that has to be a dope gig. I don't know how much it pays. I don't know how good, good work, money it is. Probably but work like 17 minutes a day. Dude, he turns it around quick because we'll send him copy and he'll get it back within like 30 minutes. And you're like, is that all of your work you did today? That's super tight. Is that it? Seriously. (laughs) Or like the guy from, you know, the movie theater. This summer, the biggest blockbuster of the year. But you got to go like super deep though. Yeah. This summer. That would be great. Spider-Man returns. You know, you got to be, you got to be like extra. You got to almost over inflect your voice in a weird way. You got there's a little talent to it. You can't just make that voice. You gotta you gotta think about it, or you can't. Or just like to be like a documentary deep. voice, you know, like you're James Earl Jones or you're David uh, Attenborough. Ab- ab- absolutely, like that would be. We were watching Planet Earth tight. right now, so <laughs> watching him talk about it, it's like this is awesome. <laughs> the the swallow flies through the air and uh, has to go feed his chicks. That's a very good British accent. Was it? I thought so. I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> I thought you. I thought it was great. Uh, so let's uh, switch gears from NBA. We've spent a lot of time the last month or so talking NBA. There's been plenty of rumors, plenty of Blazer stuff to talk about. But this week, despite the the Summer League happening, there really hasn't been a lot of sports. Had the home run derby in the All-Star game, which we will get to a little bit later. But it was the first week where I sat there and went, I miss football. You know, I, I love football, but baseball is my favorite sport. And I, I can very, very easily go a couple of months without football and not necessarily be craving it like a lot of people do but this week was the first time where i went football i I miss it i want to think i want i want to think about football and it wasn't even the nfl yet it was college football and obviously it starts first so that that helps but i was really kind of i wanted to think and talk about the pac-12 and that's what we'll do for the next couple of segments here let's start with the the ducks because they at least have the most newsworthy note of of this week which was Darren Carrington was officially kicked off the team by Willie Taggart after another issue for him. This time was a DUI. He's had a long string of issues with the Ducks where he's made poor decisions and had suspensions and, um, you know, just basically just been a, I want to say a bad dude, but 
he's been the bad dude, right? He hasn't he hasn't exactly followed his his role as a good football player and good teammate to a T. So he was kicked off the team, which I think was a good move by Willie Taggart. It's kind of the only move he could make, especially after the little bit of a scandal he had earlier with the strength coach, right? When he started and there was the kid sent to the hospital and stuff. He's trying to do everything a hundred percent by the book now. And and this was obviously the right choice to to kick Darren Carrington off the team. But what this does is kind of open up a giant question mark at the wide receiver position. Because if you actually look at, at, at the players that they have there, Darren Carrington was far and away the best receiver on this team. Yes, he was. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been kicked off the team. He should have been, this is strike seven for him, but with, without him, the only guy of note is Charles Nelson and everybody else is people you've probably never heard of unless you're a diehard Oregon Ducks fan. Dylan Mitchell, Alex Ophadile, Darian McNeil, Malik Lavette. Uh, I don't know who those people are, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. And that's the point. I mean, maybe they'll be good receivers. You never know. But you now have a giant question mark at receiver and, frankly, tight end. Um, tight end, you've got a redshirt sophomore and redshirt freshman in Jacob Breeland and Cam McCormick going to be fighting it out for the, for the starting job. So uh, who's going to catch the passes from Justin Herbert? You got yourself a great young quarterback, but all of a sudden it's looking like your wide receiver core is not exactly up to snuff. Well, the one thing the Ducks have always been, well, at least as of in the past, over the past few years, they really rely on speed. That's why you go out and get a Devin Allen who's on your track team and, you know, some of those really kind of, I don't know. The, the, all, the Ducks have always been built on speed and being fast on the outside. That's their slogan. Not. Yeah, that's, that, that's always been what it is. So now you're looking at the fact that you don't have uh, Dwayne Stanford and you don't have uh, Devin Allen, he, who I believe retired. Is that what he did? He can just yeah, I quit. think so. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a problem now. But, you know, the Ducks have always kind of had this guy that just kind of, you know, emerges out of nowhere. You know, you're just curious if, if these guys are going to look similar to what you've seen in the past. Like, here's the, here's the cool part. Darren Carrington is an NFL receiver. He's like you said. He is he was by far and away their best receiver, and so not having him there, what does that do to your offense? I'm pretty sure a lot of the offense was going to be set up. At least, at least the passing game was going to be set up around how you get the ball to Darren Carrington. Now, if that's not the case, I, I, I think that's a, a big question mark coming into the year. Justin Herbert, Carrington, Royce Freeman. That's what you, if, if you're the Ducks offense, that's what you're kind of relying on. That's what you're going to hang your hat on. Are those three and throwing Charles Nelson on top of that now? Charles Nelson has just been bumped to the number one spot. But he's so, not a number one. But he's not a number one. So, like, what, what does this do for you? But who knows? We might see an Alshon Jefferson situation to where – or Alshon Jeffrey situation to where now, hey, he – I was a number one. You just didn't throw the ball to me enough. Well, I, I get, I'm saying he's not a number one because he's small. He's not a prototypical number one. Charles Nelson's a fast, you know, slant, inside guy who can obviously run, run the deep route efficiently. But he's, he's not – Darren Carrington was, you're right. He he was an NFL type receiver, in in the the size of his body, the way that he caught passes. You know he 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 was something special. If he didn't get in trouble, I'm just looking at the bios of the guys who I was mentioning. Dylan Mitchell was the punt returner starting in the Stanford game, which was near the end of the season last year. Uh, played a little bit in the Colorado game, but really didn't play. He this year in the spring game, three catches for 75 yards, had 104 yards and seven catches in last year's spring game. He is tabbed at least on our lads, which is the depth chart I'm using as the third starting wide receiver, which means he'll likely slide into the second starting wide receiver role uh, behind Charles Nelson. Now 
you've got two a freshman and two redshirt sophomores behind those guys as well in Ophadile, McNeil, and Lovett. So that that's, I think, going to be the biggest question mark going in because you've still got Royce Freeman coming back for a season. Say what you will about Royce. He, he's a senior. He's a veteran. He's had great years despite last year being not great when, and plagued with injuries. Um, you know, you've got Tony Brooks-Janes coming back as well. So you've got solid running backs. You just don't know about wide receivers. And frankly, I'm not really sure what kind of offense Willie Tiger's going to run with Oregon. We can't expect them to run the same offense that Chip and Mark Helfer ran. No. It's different. It's going to be different. I think expect to see some, you know, some some looks to what they were doing. But for the most part, you look to see a, a whole new offense. Uh, I don't want to say that. I, I think it'll be up-tempo because that's just kind of what college football is at this point, unless you're Stanford, um, unless you're Alabama for the most part, and you're just kind of going to grind it out. For the most part, most college offenses are no huddle, really fast-paced kind of spread offenses. So I don't think that's going to be too too much different. Just don't look for a lot of the trick plays that Chip and you know others might have tried to run. Well, the thing with, with the Oregon offense under Chip and Mark Helfrich was it was based on the run, and they used that to then open up the passing game. It was always based on kind of the option run game with speedy running backs. You know, think about D'Anthony Thomas, Michael James, et cetera. Um, it was always started with that, and then it opened up the passing game. And, of course, there was great passing. There was obviously, Marcus Brown a great quarterback, but great passing seasons in there as well. But that was kind of always how Oregon ran their offense. My question is, is Willie Taggart going to run more of a classic up-tempo pass-heavy offense or is he going to keep the same kind of lots of option plays, running the football a lot, trying to find open seams by confusing the defense and using motion, you know, using wide receivers in the running back position, which we saw Charles Nelson do a lot last year. I'm very curious what we're going to see because we can look at what he did at Western Kentucky and at USF, and we'll see a lot of a lot of great quarterbacks and a lot of great passing games, but it doesn't mean he's going to do the same thing in Eugene, you know? No, it, it, it doesn't, but... The one thing we know is that he's been doing a hell of a job of recruiting. He's been getting a lot of big bodies uh, doing that recruiting. So it's looking like he's trying to go the way of really trying to overpower some some guys. And in the Pac-12, that's not incredibly hard. I mean, outside of uh, UW, uh, USC obviously is making his comeback in Stanford. You have a lot of teams that are that aren't built, you know, much like Stanford and Alabama are. So if you can get a, a powerhouse team, then I think that's just as good as having a team that can, you know beat you on the fly well right now oregon you mentioned it they're the sixth ranked class in recruiting nationally uh that's from scout at least which is correct me if i'm wrong the highest they've been even including chip kelly's years when i think the highest he was was nine or ten so i mean that obviously that could change there's still a lot of time in recruiting left for the 2018 class but uh right now oregon is sixth and they are the number one pac-12 team usc ucla are very close behind them but uh, they've got 16 recruits, they've got nine four-stars, and they've got seven three-stars. No five-stars, surprisingly, but only a couple of five-stars have signed at the top anyway. Um, they've just been getting almost everybody that they've been interested in. And I think that's been a really, really crazy cool thing to watch Willie Taggart do is every guy who seems to be considering the Ducks, 90% of the time he's picking the Ducks. Yeah. And I, some of that, I think, has to do with this age group of kids grew up watching Oregon now um they're obviously it's, it might be weird to think but they grew up when Oregon became good in the thousands mm -hmm. so they've been watching Oregon and they've been going oh Oregon's a team I want to play for Braxton Burmeister the quarterback they got from Arizona 
um, and stole from Arizona, basically said, I've always wanted to be an Oregon Duck. The, a guy from Arizona said that? You're not used to hearing that if you're a Duck fan, right? Unless there's a kid locally. So that's something that may be also helping Taggart get those guys in as well. No, yeah. I, th I think Taggart, already he set a precedent for – and getting rid of Darren Carrington is a bold move. I think a lot of teams aren't getting rid of their best – skill player, you know, just months before the season actually starts. Man, he's coming in and showing that I'm not going for the bull. It's going to be my way or the highway. Or if you don't like it, then, you know, you can you can kind of hit the bricks. And so I don't. I think his coaching style is, is going to be similar to that, man. You're going to do things my way, and you're going to like it, or you're going to kind of keep it moving. So I'm, I don't know. That's the kind of the excitement about uh, Willie Taggart, because we don't know about what he did at U, uh, USF. We don't know about what he did I mean, we Western saw Kentucky. Yeah, we, they we, had we good saw, offenses but yeah they had good offenses but who are you playing against and now you're going to be able to show what you're really able to do now we know you know how to recruit now let's see if you can coach even if, if you can coach half as well as you recruit then I think the Ducks will be just fine all right coming up next let's uh, switch to the team in Corvallis Oregon State is a bowl game reasonable for the Beavs this year we'll discuss next here on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nearing the end of hour one here on Sports Sunday, talking some Pac-12. Just finished talking about the Oregon Ducks. I did want to mention one thing that we should remember that's a positive on the defensive side is that they got themselves a registered senior transfer from the SEC. Ooh. I'm sorry, not the, the ACC and Clemson. Scott Pagano going to be a defensive tackle for them, which I think could be very helpful. Having a big body on the inside and the defensive line, which was obviously a huge, huge issue for them last year. Uh, just one thing we – because the defense was obviously the big issue last year for, for the most part. New defensive coordinator Jim Levitt, uh, Clemson transfer Scott Pagano, as well as now a lot more experience in the defense from last year, more sophomores and juniors and seniors who will be starting versus – Freshmen, which is what we saw a lot last year, especially with the injuries. A whole bunch of freshmen last year, which is why they were so bad. So I think the offense is going to be interesting, but I'm actually personally more interested in seeing how the defense plays and does because Jim Levitt made what was a bad Colorado defense into a the best defense or at least the best secondary in, in the Pac-12 last year. So I want to see if he can work his magic here in Eugene as well. For the, the Beavs, they have steadily improved over the two years that Gary Anderson has been there and steadily is tough to say, but won four games last year, won three games in the conference, including uh, the civil war game. So this year is a bowl game, a reasonable expectation for the beeves is a bowl game, a, a legit expectation. Do you think if they don't make a bowl game, it's a disappointing year for Oregon state or how far do you think Gary Anderson has really brought this program in three years? It's kind of, your answer to that question kind of also says how you feel about how Gary Anderson is doing. So is a bowl game the expectation now? Is six wins an expectation for Oregon State this year? I think it should be. I think it definitely should be. Uh, they had two year, two wins the year prior, and then they had four wins last year. Uh, I think moving forward, uh, that's that's the goal. You know, I think the goal for every team, even the bad teams, is a bowl game. Six wins. I think that six wins for uh, – 
middle of the road program will 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 keep your job as as the head coach. So I think this could be. This could be a make-or-break year for Gary Anderson. Now, do I think he'll be fired if the Beavs don't do well? No. I think they're still building towards something. But I think the one thing you've seen is the excitement about Beaver football is kind of back. And then there's, you know, with obviously Thomas Tyner leaving the Ducks or retiring for medical reasons and then coming back as a Beaver. Like, you know, that's that's an interesting storyline for a lot of people. So all of a sudden that Civil War game just became uh, much more interesting, you know, for for the Beavs. But... You look at the 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 junior transfer, uh, Jake Luton coming in, uh, taking Marcus McMarion's spot, which we thought was going to be the the starter for yeah. Oregon State. McMarion was fine. He was up and down. Yeah, you know, he was fine. Lots of lot of downs. But, but Luton is supposed to be really good. Or I mean, I shouldn't say really good, but he's he's supposed to be a solid to good quarterback, which is something that Oregon State hasn't really had for a little while. Uh, we thought we saw it for them with Seth Collins, but then that kind of faded very quickly, and then he got kicked off the team. Or now he's back, and he's a wide receiver. Um, I, I'm very curious about Oregon State. So last year they ended the year with two wins, right? They beat Oregon in the Civil War, but they also destroyed Arizona the week before, 42 to 17. So they they ended the season on a high note, got themselves to four wins. Uh, their other conference win was the overtime game against Cal. If you remember very early, it was their second conference game mm-hmm. last year. Um, this year for Oregon state, I think they could get six wins and I I know that it's a quote unquote reasonable expectation, but when you're playing Colorado state, Portland state, Minnesota in your first three games, you almost beat Minnesota last year Remember in, in Minnesota. Um, now they've got a new head coach in PJ Fleck of Western Michigan, so maybe they'll be better because we we all thought very highly of PJ Fleck Did, going into this coaching. Didn't season. they have a really good game against someone else that was pretty good at the beginning of the year and just just drop that game? Uh, I'll I'll double check. I just closed that that schedule. But um, so this year they play those three teams, and those could be three wins. They could be. They'll probably lose one of those one of those games, maybe even two. But if you look at the the Pac-12 schedule they get this year, they get. Cal, Arizona, and Arizona State back to back to back. Those three games could all be wins. They could. Because I think those three could be the worst three teams in the Pac-12 this year. Justin Wilcox, we all love him because of his Oregon ties, but he's going to have a little hill to climb down there at Cal. And Arizona and Arizona State have been falling the last few years and haven't been very good. Had a lot of injury issues, of course. But And then also Colorado. We don't know what Colorado's going to be this year. Things, things have changed there now. They might not be quite as good. So, so the, the, I, I think... I think you should be aiming for six wins here, Beavs fans. I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and especially this is the first time I've really taken a look at their schedule. Uh, you start the season against Colorado State, which you should be mindful of because we've seen the Beavs go, go out there and, and get beat by, you know, lesser uh, opponents. Then you got Portland State. And, you know, Portland State can be a, a sneaky team as well, especially being here from the Northwest. We know that. But you, you, you look at the fact that you said you mentioned that stretch with Cal Arizona, Arizona State. And that's towards the end of the season, right before you play the Ducks. That's a great opportunity for Beavers to go in there and really es- establish themselves and really kind of make that bowl game dream a-, a reality. And I think they can get three or two of their first four games. You know, I think you, I think Colorado State should be a win. Portland State should be a win. Mm-hmm. You know, you should start your season 2-0. and And from there, like, you pretty much control your destiny. You beat Minnesota or, you know, you get a chance to really take down a Washington State. And then all of a sudden, you know, you guys are rolling and the confidence is high. And there's no telling anybody, any Beaver fan, that you can't beat anybody at that point. Well, last year, the games that you're talking about, Utah 
19 Utah. to 14 loss. That's what I thought. And they were winning to start that game. And then Wazoo, 35-31 loss. Both at Reeser. Um, so home games that they were able to kind of try to almost steal from, from better teams, superior teams. So if they can just win a couple of those games, then that's that's where the that's where the switch will happen. And if you look at the team, they actually do have a lot of returning talent. Uh, Ryan Nall is back to be the starting running back. Of course, you mentioned Tyner, who's going to be an interesting piece to see where he fits. But their receivers are all back. Um, and they got Villaman and Jarman and Seth Collins will be having another year as a wideout. And uh, a couple of guys who were, who were so- freshmen and, and sophomores last year who are going to get a chance to, to commute at the receiver role as well. Uh, the defense has actually been, you know, fairly decent under Gary Anderson so far. And we're going to see a, a pretty different looking defense. Just looking here at the depth chart. Some of the guys are returning players, obviously, but some of them are younger. College football is all it's about tough culture. on defense for me. Co- college football is all about culture. Um, more so than in the NFL. Like everybody doesn't have to really buy into the, the same ideology stuff and, and stuff like that to be able to be really competitive. But in college, you have to really all be speaking the same language. And right now, the one thing we see is Gary Anderson has his team speaking the same language right now. And mind you, while they're small steps, they are steps forward nonetheless. So two wins, four wins. This year, you look to get six, six. or seven wins. Two win increments. You know? You know, and I, I think I think that's that's good considering the Beavers are still trying to shed this Mr. Nice Guy uh kind of model that they've always that they've always kind of lived by you know and what's what was what was the what was mr nice guy mike riley, mike riley you yeah. know was just so all gee golly heck but they you were know, good under gonna, mike riley they were good no there were stretches under mike riley where the, the beavers were great not good but the beavers were great under some stretches from mike riley but then towards the end the tail end of his career it was just uh we're, we're just happy to be here and we just want to compete and we just want to do all those things it seems like gary anderson has them talking no we're gonna we want to win I mean, well, the, these the, getting better is good, but everything we've heard from Gary Anderson says this is this is where we take the next step. This text says on the Bridgeport Beers text line five five three zero five. This is the thing with the Beavers that you can't trust them. Waiting for Gary Anderson to change that. I think you've got the right guy to do it, and I will say this: there was a lot of doubt about whether Gary Anderson was going to stay in Corvallis. Right? He comes from Wisconsin. It's a steal of a hire you don't it doesn't make any sense that a guy from wisconsin is going to come to corvallis and he says i want to stay here and every coach says that right but from listening to gary anderson and following him in the couple of years that he's been in corvallis it appears that he actually is a guy who wants to see this through he wants to he wants to get the beeves back on the map again and from talking to him with with prime time and stuff he is a guy who it seems like he's a guy who actually stands by his convictions if Gary Anderson is having that culture, then the players will have that culture, and that will bleed through eventually and make this team good. All right, we got a break. Coming up next hour, hated 11 at 10.30. We'll talk a little Aaron Judge plus other good young players in all sports, and we'll re- uh, cap it off with next segment with the rest of the Pac-12. This is Sports Sunday on 1080. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.